0: Gorbachev teared down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan.
2: Alright, welcome to our guest segment. This is his first appearance with us. Uh, you may have seen him on with Steve Bannon on the War Room uh, show, which is a great show. Um, he does a lot of other media uh, and he's got some great, great information to share with us tonight. His name is Matt Brainerd and his organization is the Voter Integrity Project. And Matt, good to have you with us, sir.
1: I'm glad to be here. Quick correction, though. My organization is Look Ahead America, which is a home to the Voter Integrity Project. But okay, uh, it's a a, we've commonly been referred to as both. But there are a lot of people running around out there calling themselves the Voter Integrity Project. But we are the real Voter Integrity Project, which is inside Look Ahead America, a 501c3 organization.
2: Okay, good enough. And that that's good for me to know so that I link to the correct uh, website. So what is the website for people to go to to find out more about you I- after the show tonight?
1: Sure, it's lookaheadamerica.org. The one and only.
2: lookaheadamerica.org. Okay. Now, um one of the I I I really I think you're one of the most credible guys on this whole election issue. And one of the reasons I I say that Matt is I'm with you. And and correct me if I'm wrong, that it's your view that the outcome of this election is inconclusive. That, to me, gives you a lot of credibility because everybody on the right, the conservatives, we want to say, no, no, no. We know that Trump won. I've said this right from the beginning. I don't think we'll ever know actually who won. Is that your position?
1: That is my position. And, you know, while I can speculate or in my heart of hearts, I might think of, you know, if certain things happen. I've been very careful to only speak about or speak on the evidence that I am confident in, the evidence that we uh, were able to discover um, and come up with in the process of doing our examination after the election. And I will tell you that when we started running the Voter Integrity Project um, as part of Look Ahead America after the election, we, we started it without any preconceived notions of what happened. We knew the race was very close and we know that it was possible that something may have uh, gone wrong. There may have been some misbehavior um, in the election. So we started running our analysis not knowing what we were going to find. And what we concluded was in, uh, in more than enough states or in enough states to affect the outcome, the margin of victory was surpassed by the number of illegal ballots. So there are more illegal ballots the margin of victory in at least three key states. Without those three key states, somebody different would have been president. Um, So that is our conclusion. That is, is, it's not possible to know who the deserved winner is. Now, if you could figure out who all of those uh, illegal ballots were cast for, you might get a better idea, but it's really not possible to do that because we have a secret ballot in this country. But one thing we do know is that many of those ballots were cast by people not eligible to cast them. And again, that, that just surpassed the margin of victory. And these people, you know, this issue happens in every election where there are ballots cast that are illegal that should not be cast. And the state didn't do a good job preventing them from being cast. But this time it was sort of a, a, a perfect storm where uh, the, the margins were close enough that they did determine the outcome of the election.
2: And what do you make, Matt, of of how the media handled this? So so we covered this on on the show and we we're very carefully watching and listening to what the media was saying. So in the very beginning, the media had this this line that they all adopted, which which was that there there was no fraud. There's no evidence of any fraud. Well, then when evidence of fraud and irregularity started coming out, they started they changed they all switched at the same time to saying there wasn't enough fraud that would have changed the outcome. That that's how they later changed it. I found this to be very strange. The lack of curiousness on the part of Of the media in any of this, I mean, even if you believe that that the amount of fraud would not affect the outcome, you would think that election fraud at any level would be something the media would be very interested in covering if for no other reason than. You know, that's that's what this is all about. I mean, if we don't have uh, free and fair elections and I mean, how much fraud is OK? Is it OK if if there's a certain amount of fraud, but it's not enough that would have changed things? Well, maybe next time it would be enough uh, to change things. Uh, what do you make of the media? Uh, is this just as simple as well? They're liberal and they're guy won, So they're not interested. Is it that simple? Is there uh, something else going on there?
1: Uh, it is both that simple. I agree. But there's also more to it. So I just want to remind you and your audience that for those of us who remember the 2000 election, which was, again, very close, decided by the state of Florida by a few hundred votes. After George Bush had been installed in office, he had been uh, won the Electoral College, Florida's votes went to him. The media spent millions of dollars and seven months. With three different separate efforts to hand count all the ballots in Florida. That was their level of interest in the outcome of the election. Hmm. And they ultimately concluded through all, you know, the multiple recounts that uh, Bush in fact did win, but they didn't conclude that until the end. And they invested a tremendous amount of money and attention. I mean, you can also remember that, you know, when uh, Sarah Palin's emails, Hack. They went through all of those with a fine-tooth comb, and they, you know, they went up to examine all of their court records or state records up in Alaska. They were all over these types of things, right? Whenever it's somebody on the right, but there was no interest in this. What was interesting is that when I first started this operation, um, the media was sort of interested. Mostly, though, to write articles ridiculing us, or calling, you know, accusing us of, <laughs> yeah. of stealing money, or because
2: conspiracy the White theory. House
1: Right. There are White House employees who were coming, who had taken paid time off, which they're entitled to, to come and help with this effort. And they wanted to try to smear them um, for doing that. Um, however, once we started rolling out our uh, findings, pretty much ignored all of it and had no interest in it whatsoever. And, you know, there's no surprise to your audience that the, there really isn't a quote unquote media, at least in the, in the way they portray themselves. They're so basically a PR machine for the hard left. Who's basically trying to gas every, gaslight everybody into thinking that they're uh, somehow bipartisan or fair or anything remotely close to that. So, um, but something else that's a little bit more nefarious about this is that voter fraud, real or not, is actually a tool of the left right now, and the media knows it. And well, what do I mean by tool? Well, there's three problems with voter fraud. The number one problem is when it happens and it affects the outcome of the election, right? And that's the one that everybody's sort of aware of and pays attention to. Um, and this, that was the case this election. Now the left has claimed vote of fraud in previous few years. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton said that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it, it, when it affects outcomes, it's pretty bad, but there are two, pr- two other significant problems with it. Number one is that it demoralizes from voting the side that lost. So you saw that in the runoff in Georgia, where the drop off among Republican voters is much greater than the drop off among Democrat voters. And Why? Because they were convinced that voter fraud exists and that their vote doesn't matter. So, you know, when I started the Voter Integrity Project, again, we started with the idea of not having any um, preconceived notions. I thought, well, you know, if you're a Biden supporter, you should be rooting for us, because if we come back and find that there was no, um, no fraud and that everything was clean, then it would be helpful to have somebody like me say, look, Maybe accusations out there, but it was a fair fight and we just lost, okay? Um, But they weren't interested in supporting us then. And it dawned on me that the idea of widespread voter fraud is incredibly useful to the left because it completely demoralizes our voting base. And I hear constantly on social media and other places from people who were voters for uh, Republicans, the patriotic cause, et cetera, um, that they're no longer interested in voting because they don't think it matters, it doesn't count. And there's a third problem with voter fraud, and that is that it's actually distracting us from a much bigger issue. So, again, I said it was determinative in the outcome of the election. Not a lot. You know, it wasn't wasn't like a massive percentage of the number of votes, but it was enough to determine the outcome of the election because the the margins were so close to begin with. But what had about a 100 to 1,000 times bigger impact on the election was the job the left did in registering, educating and turning out to vote their people in the urban centers, which is a heart of the Democrat Party's constituency. What um, uh, uh, they did in Fulton County, what Stacey Abrams was able to do in Fulton County, there was nothing on the right for the last four years to counter that. And, you know, I, I'm here in D.C. I'm in the swamp. I'm a creature of the swamp. I own it. And every Wednesday I would go to a uh, off-the-record meeting with people from the White House, the Senate, the U.S. House, every, you know, the NRA, every organization you can imagine, who has a you know a national right wing organization. I would go in at the beginning of every year, the last four years, I would get up and do a PowerPoint presentation for Look at America and show in the swing states how many new uh, patriotic voters have been registered and how many new progressives have been registered. And every year that deficit grew larger and larger and larger in favor of progressives in states like Georgia, in states like Pennsylvania, in states like Arizona, et cetera. And I would give that presentation and I would expect folks to come out of the woodwork to try to help and to, to help us with look at America's core mission, which is registering, educating, and turning out to vote patriotic voters. But it went absolutely nowhere. And now we're paying the price. For it. Um, so those are the three problems of voter fraud. Yeah, but I mean, and, I think and the second and problem, and the third problem are much bigger. Yeah.
2: And your second your second point about uh, your second point about people saying, well, my vote doesn't matter. That's why about half the country doesn't vote right now as it is. And then you throw this into the mix. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that, you know, those of us that voted for Trump found it really, really hard to believe just when the optics, when you see Trump filling these stadiums and then there's an overflow into the parking lots where they're watching on, on, te- on, on closed circuit television, what's happening in the arenas. And then you see Biden and Obama would get together the two of them. And would, you'd see 25 or 30 cars would show up to like a, a drive-in type of a rally. Uh, Some of these rallies, only a handful of people showed up for Biden or or Harris. That's all anecdotal evidence. And I get it that that can all be dismissed uh, largely. But just so that people understand, because I've listened to you carefully uh, on a lot of shows, including with Steve Bannon, you're using actual numbers and information from the various uh, secretaries of state. This is not just uh you kind of using an algorithm saying well you know if this happened this must have happened or i you know have this theory uh you're actually doing things like looking at the the voter rolls and how many people are registered to like post office boxes or ups stores or addresses where there's not a, a residential you know like like a warehouse things like this these are the actual Voter rolls that you're going from people voting in multiple states, dead people voting, uh, people voting from uh, addresses that are not residential. That's something right there, not residential. You're supposed to list. Where you physically live, even if you're somebody that maybe operates with a UPS store box or a PO box, that is not uh, legally where you're supposed to list your address when you register to vote. And just going by that alone, it wasn't that a large amount of these questionable votes that you uncovered.
1: I think that's that's a that's a good chunk of it. That is a good chunk of it. But even more than that, though, and this was. This is an endemic endemic problem in many states, is people voting where they want to vote, not where they actually live. And again, this was the biggest type of illegal voting in, in Georgia that we were able to prove. I have a database of people who gave the federal government notice that they were moving permanently out of Georgia. They confirmed that with a credit card transaction, so it wasn't somebody else that did it. They had to be the person that did it. Hmm. Said so they were moving out of the state, and that that number of people who then requested ballots and cast them illegally, not long, no longer being residents of the state of, of Georgia, switched was were enough to swing the race in Georgia. So we you know we get anecdotes of people saying, oh, I know this guy, this person who lived in New York City. Um, but they don't, they know their vote doesn't matter in New York City, but they were able to get a ballot in Georgia. So they cast a ballot in Georgia or they cast a ballot in both places. That is the, that is the type of evidence that I can prove. And, you know, I, I had my research team go through it. for example, the state of Georgia, there were 15,700 people who cast ballots who had told the postal service in advance of the election that they were permanently moving out of Georgia. I had my, my team go through those numbers and, Two thirds of those that we were able to find supplemental information that they do, in fact, live out of state. And it's not for good reason. Like military can move, get their mail forwarded and still vote back in their home state. Right. That's the exception. But the overwhelming majority of these fifteen were not eligible to vote in in uh, in Georgia and we have their names, their numbers, their their voter ID numbers, where they moved to when they moved. And, you know, in the sample where we did our examination, we have, well, we looked up property tax records property records, social media, uh, uh, LinkedIn profiles showing where they currently work. Um, so we're, we're able to demonstrate very clearly that the, mar- you know, and, and if the state knew what they were doing, they were if the state knew about this during the certification process, they really only had, I thought, one option uh, to do two things. The first thing they had to do is decide they are not going to certify the election results because they're invalid. The second thing they have to do is all resign every single one of them, because that has to be the cost of to them of botching their state's elections. The most important function of a state government is to run its elections correctly, and they screwed that up. So from the very top to the very bottom, they all needed to resign. And that's a penalty for disenfranchising your entire state from participating in the 2020 electoral college. Instead, we found in state after state after state, them refusing to take the evidence of this nature seriously, to investigate it fully, and to just stick their head in the
2: sand. Is there anything that individuals can do? You know, because um, I was thinking like, you know, in terms of crowdsourcing, like, is there information on your website where, for example, I could go there and like pick out a hundred names and do the research myself and and kind of contribute, you know, my own thoughts on my sampling of what I've done. Anybody can do this, right? This is public. Information, The voting records are public. And then you with a little bit of I mean, with the Internet, it wouldn't be hard to figure out, like you said, with social media, LinkedIn, uh, property records, uh, you know, where people actually live. Um, even I'm sure you found cases where people voted in multiple states. Um, you would think the death records from Social Security and from the states could be used to determine if people voted that were deceased. Uh, which, you know, I'm from Chicago. That's been going on there for (laughs) forever. Uh, All of that could be done, right? This is not uh, brain surgery. I mean, you could take somebody like a Jeff Bezos that's running Amazon and they could probably develop some kind of a software program that uh, could check all of this.
1: Well, I would caution against folks quite doing that. Um, So, for example, let's say, uh, you run a pretty large business or multiple businesses, uh, several million dollars in revenue. Uh, you kind of founded them and you've, you know, you've also got your own personal, you run a few rental properties and all that stuff. Tax time rolls around. Now, if you actually look at the tax form, it's mostly addition, subtraction, and multiplication. And surely you can do addition, subtraction, and multiplication. But that doesn't mean you're necessarily qualified to fill out that tax form. And a constant problem that I ran into in this endeavor was people basically spamming me and well-meaning people, but kind of wasting my time and distracting a lot of other folks with sort of their theories about what happened. And they'll like download some file and start looking around it, not knowing what they're looking at without an intimate understanding of how these elections work and how elections are administered. It is quite challenging and there's a lot of ways to make mistakes. And part of the problem in the aftermath of the election is that you had all this, basically false information flying around all over the place. Like you had somebody pretending to be an expert. I'm not going to name names, but saying they found, I don't know, some crazy number tens and twenties or thirties of thousands of dead voters in Michigan, right? They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't do that analysis correctly. I know how they didn't do it correctly. You had supposed data experts in the state of Nevada putting phony numbers in the president's legal brief because they didn't know what they were doing. They had no idea. So this is a field where I, and at least my team, have had a tremendous amount of experience. I've worked in this field since the mid-90s. I actually worked for an election administration firm that did redistricting and election administration support for, I can't even remember how many years. It was the top firm in the country. So most of the stuff is stuff that I know at the like the back of my hand. So this is almost However, like
2: a forensic type of an audit that you have to be an expert, uh, really, to be able to do what you're doing.
1: You. You know, here's the thing, and it's tricky. It's, well, the, the real question you're asking is what can people do to make a difference? But I'll get to that. But, you know, my inbox during this time, I would get bombarded in my phone call with all these kinds of ideas. However, out of maybe, and I'm not joking, thousands of messages, there are two messages that actually had something really good to them that was very helpful. And sifting through them all, you know, it was very difficult to find those experts. So there's just so much, such a low signal to noise but when you find the signal. It's very valuable. Um, putting that aside, though, um, uh, th- the best thing that people can do right now is get engaged with their state legislatures, their local county government, to get them to make changes that would prevent this from happening. Now, again, you're kind of at a loss there, right? If you've never done this before, you may not even. If I would, I would bet you money that the majority of your your listeners who are hearing our voices right now do not know who their state representative is. Do not know who represents them in the state senate. I would bet even money on that. So what do you do, right? Well, Look Ahead America has a solution because you know there's so much talk going on right there. We need action, and Look Ahead America is the action. In the last month, we trained over 3,000 completely, you know, new people who've never been involved with politics before on how to engage with their local governments and state governments, how to do their homework, how to organize their neighborhoods, their social groups, their churches. How to apply pressure to a local group how to apply pressure to a state organization like or to the state legislature how to build coalitions and we're also starting to stand up volunteer coordinators in states all across the country to guide these volunteers to become active and leaders in their own community so that's what we're doing that's the best place for somebody to get active and you know again i'm plugging look america here but look ahead america.org there's a volunteer tab you click that you put your information in. We'll push you to work. I can I can promise you that. Um, and this would be really trying to
2: get different trying to get some, you know, basic uh, changes to take place for people, you know, for example, to prove their identity, prove that they have the right, right. to vote in that jurisdiction. Now, just to be clear, because I don't want to confuse anybody who's watching tonight or listening on the audio stream, you're not at all getting into the machines Right. Right. What you're doing has nothing to do like Steve Bannon says. We're not talking about gunfights in Frankfurt and servers on the moon. You're not questioning uh, any of the machines that were used. You're going in a whole different direction. Is that right? Well,
1: we are going into the machines, but not in the way that many other people have. And uh, despite that, well, we have still gotten uh, nasty letters from Dominion. So I'm gonna, but I will talk about it in a way that I know will not get you or uh, anybody else that talks about it this way in trouble. So here's our issue with the machines. Almost all of these machines are called black box machines, black box voting equipment. That means the software and hardware that runs them is not available to the public for inspection and mostly not available to the state governments or basically unavailable to the state governments that pay for these machines. So on that principle, we oppose the use of any kind of equipment in an election where the exact way it operates, the software that runs it and the hardware that it runs on cannot be inspected by government officials or the public. They should be able to see every line of code. So we're advocating for open source software and hardware design for voting machines. And we've been successful so far in stopping Stark County from purchasing a uh, $6 million contract for 1,500 of these voting machines. And we've also been successful in preventing the state of Louisiana from issuing a $100 million contract for God knows how many, pardon my French, for God knows how many machines um, uh, for their entire state. And we've got them to hit the pause button to reconsider. The problem, as I mentioned, is the, the software that runs the machines in black box it's a corporate secret. It's not available to you to know how it works. That's unconscionable. The other problems with it is that it costs more money than an open source solution would. And an open source solution would allow a state to choose a local technology vendor to service these machines and create jobs in their home state, rather than be, being dependent upon a corporation that may not be in their state or may not even be in the United States at all, a foreign corporation, to service these machines. And that's the principled reason that we oppose black we oppose black box phone equipment. It's the number one issue among our six uh, issues for uh, legislative uh, reform On voter integrity And it's also the one That has gotten us The most attention Like I said Dominion sent me A nasty letter Accusing me of saying Things I didn't say They sent me two such letters when I never really made The accusations about um, You know certain Gunfights around Server farms in Germany Or whatever I Never right, made that right. accusation The reason I believe They came after me Is because We're advocating For open source Voting equipment Because unlike A black box There's nowhere to hide a trap door, a secret entrance in a glass box. And, you know, it's not, you know, and it's not again, I'm not advocating any kind of conspiracy theories. But, you know, Princeton University, one of the nation's premier universities, published a study saying that black box voting equipment, not only can it be hacked in minutes, but it can be hacked in a way that you don't even know it was hacked. Now, again, I'm not pointing the finger at anything having happened, but I think as a matter of principle, if those machines are determining the outcome of our election, the public and those elected officials have to be able to see every single line of code and how they work and how they operate. Yeah, I'm with you. It's inexcusable that we don't
2: have that. I've heard, too, like ideas of using the blockchain or other means where you could actually, you as a, a voter could go and see that your vote was actually counted correctly and still remain anonymous, things like that. but. All that aside, and that's all great what you just said, I wanted to make it clear, though, that all of your numbers that you're putting out are not you're not taking any of that from the machines. In other words, all of these numbers that you have are actual voters and irregularities that you've linked um, you know, to real situations none of what you're saying in terms of those numbers is relying upon anything funny going on with the machines. Isn't that oh, right?
1: That's correct. And that's completely correct. And, you know, a lot of the focus and even some of the, a lot of the focus of the reform has happened on the side of like the tabulation of votes. And again, we have a reform to address that, which is open source voting equipment. Right. But all of our research demonstrating, um, illegal ballots. That was done entirely on the basis of looking at who cast ballots and who among them were not eligible to do so. And that's very clear and very clean. And, you know, I I know I sounded a little bit elitist earlier when I was saying that, look, this is not, I don't want the average Joe downloading a voter file and trying to figure out, you know, correct the, the correct the mystery here. But what's also important to me about the way we're explaining this, um, this, these illegal ballots is that I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm not giving you a mathematical formula that you don't have the credentialing or the education to understand and say, look at this formula and look what it produced when I make these line charts. I'm not because I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm just you understand many. I'm sure a majority of the people in your audience has filed a national change of address uh, card to get their mail permanently forwarded. I'm sure we've all done that. Yeah, Uh, almost all of them. We all understand that. So when I tell you that, well, when we hold that database, because you can buy that database, and we did, up against, and it's a government database, up against the other government database, the voter list, well, it turns out that a lot of these people don't live in the state anymore. It's very easy to understand. And the other thing about it is that it's completely replicatable. Like anybody else could do this analysis. You could just, you you yourself, if you wanted to, could take the voter list from Georgia um, who cast ballots in uh, the, the general in 2020 have it processed. It's the Postal Service who does the match, by the way. So there's not even an opportunity for real error there, but processing through with them, you get the exact same numbers. Anybody could replicate this. And that's the case with all three of our methods currently for identifying um, the illegal ballots in the state of, of Georgia. You can look up on the map and see clearly where this person is registered to vote. That's that's a UPS store, and it's clearly an illegal registration does not prove that they live in Georgia, does not prove where they live. Um, so, you know, all, all together, um, it, it's very accessible. So, uh, you know, I'm not asking you to trust me because I'm a yeah. mathematicalist. I mean, it all it all, it saying, all makes hey, you understand. This, it all right?
2: makes sense. I, and I just think, keep thinking to myself, you know, this is our, our greatest right, the right to vote. And I mean, we live in a world where. I could go on uh, Amazon tonight and pick out a, a new computer I want it's at my house tomorrow. I mean what in the world we and we can't you know figure out how to do an election you know once every couple of years it it, it with the, with all the technology we have I I just but I think it's it's a lack of will on the side, at least of the Democrats don't really want uh, a good, clean, verifiable election where we know who everyone's voted because they seem to be the, uh, you know, the beneficiary of all these loose rules. What do you make of let, let me give you the phone number out real quick, because some people are already calling. The number is 646-716-4041. Anybody that wants to jump on board with your question or comment, agree, disagree. Our guest tonight is Matt brainerd uh, look ahead america the voter integrity project we're talking about the election and what happened if you're just tuning in i just put the phone number up in the lower right corner of the video stream and if you're listening on the audio audio stream the number is 646-716-4041 that's 646-716-4041 matt what do you make of these states like like georgia where you have Republicans in charge, a Republican governor, a Republican secretary of state who, like even in the case of that uh, secretary of state, goes to the extent of like recording the phone call with Trump and then turning it over to law enforcement to try to get him prosecuted. And I've listened to that phone call and I don't see anything in there that was a crime. I'm not an attorney, but uh A lot of the the media and a lot of the skeptics have said, look, these are Republicans. Um, If if there was anything to be found, uh, these are good Republicans. They would have they would have found it. Um, But that's not the case. I'm finding more and more that uh, Trump's biggest problem is with Republicans, more so even than Democrats. So I don't take that as evidence that there's integrity in a state uh, that Trump lost just because the people running it are Republicans. what do you make of, of the Republicans in Georgia? Well,
1: I, I, I don't really know what to say because I think that there's a need for election official or, or the government to. They're not on the ball. And right now they're trying to pass reforms to fix some of these problems that happen. And I've read the legislation not only do I not think they fixed the, the real problems, but they actually create new problems that make the system even worse than it is now. Um, and again, almost everybody here that's trying to fix these problems was in office more than two years ago. They were elected in 2018 or earlier. And those, you know, they sort of sat back and watched all this happen and didn't do anything about it. I mean, nonetheless, though, I mean, that's kind of what we've got to go to battle with. So. I do everything I can currently to give them guidance, to point things out, to criticize the things they may not know or in the legislation they all voted for to, to get them to fix it. But it is it's disappointing in a way, but it's also you know, it's just where we are. And it's completely incumbent upon your listeners to become active, to make their voices heard, because if they don't it, well, let me put it this way. Um are you familiar with the Q and on thing? The oh, Q, yeah. the Q yeah. stuff, right? Okay. Now I think it's an incredible. I, I think Q is an incredibly irresponsible, conspiracy theory-driven journalist, just like CNN, but not nearly as dangerous as CNN. Yeah, I agree one with the other you. The problems with Q. One of the other problems with this whole Q thing is that it was always telling people there are these actors in the background within the military and other agencies who are fighting for America to free us from, you know, pedophile overlords or something like that. And the problem with that is that it was telling people there are other people fighting on their behalf for truth, justice, and the American way. And there is. There aren't any. There is no. Them. There's only <laughs> us. So yeah. There's only us. Yeah. And if if you're listening now and you're not involved with your local party, you have never written a letter or communicated with your state legislator about a particular problem. Um you have not organized your neighbors to support a candidate in a primary, well, guess what? You are the problem. And you've got to fix that. You've got to fix the problems you can fix that are at hand. And You know, I talk about Look Ahead America and our mission of registering, educating, and turning about to vote disaffected patriotic Americans, okay? But that also extends to our current effort now of getting citizens to uh, become grassroots lobbyists, to become active in their county and state government. And my favorite, you know, we always talk about these disaffected patriotic Americans who are not engaged with the system and whom the system ignores because of that. My favorite example of, of such an individual in American history or, I guess, American film is Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. Because again, a disaffected patriotic American whose family has been completely neglected by the powers that be. This is far away from the centers of power and wealth and modernity that seem to have passed her and her family and their farm long behind. And then she gets whisked away to someplace far away where she's lost and is, is far removed from where she wants to be. And she's, you know, it's basically gone through a, a very brutal series of tests the thing is though that she had the solution with her from the beginning It was those ruby slippers she just had to tap them together and she could stay home sweet home and be right back home in the same way the people listening to the show right now and many who are not listening to the show who think that they have no influence they have no power they do they've just got to realize it by registering to vote becoming educated, turning out to vote, learning how to lobby their local and state governments, engaging with them, turning out to make their voices heard. And it's it's hard to do that without any guidance. So that's why I created Look at America. That is our mission, is to help lead and inform and provide guidance to people who want to get engaged and want to get involved. And uh, again, there's no them there. It's only us. It's and if this uh, if things continue to go badly, if this country fails, it's easy to point the finger at other quarters and say, you know, this politician didn't do that, this one didn't do this. But I guess the question is, what did you do?
2: Yeah, and it's not enough just to vote every couple of years. You got to be more involved in that. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And this was a, a real wake-up call. Let's take some callers here. Um, I know people have different questions, and I also want to uh, ask you about Maricopa County here in a couple of minutes before we run out of time. But let's go out to a we have mick is on the line and uh, mick say hello to our guest matt Brainerd.
0: hi mr Brainerd. uh hi jim Uh, it's good good to to have a a discussion about an important topic like this thank you Um, boy where to begin tonight huh uh i'll try to just make this brief and and limit my question here but what i'm curious about is um my concern and i I don't want to have a defeatist attitude and i also don't want to Come across, you know, maybe a little too conspiracy theorist here, but um, and forgive me if my information's wrong. You never know who to believe these days. But um, given the fact that we're being told that, you know, some of these servers are, you know, overseas that are holding the voting information before it finally gets tallied. And given the information that we're we're basically being told and, you know, some of the information that come out tonight is new to me. But basically, we have no way of knowing how these machines operate. Um, we we don't have uh, very good reason to have confidence in the machines. There's been some information that's come out that suggests that these machines are connected to the internet and therefore are susceptible to to a tampering with, or that people can just walk right into their local precinct and tamper with the machines. So they're not reliable. And then you sort of couple with that, um, you know, this whole idea that uh information you know that that's like well, what we're, what's come out tonight and uh just all the information that that just screams to me that something happened that was fishy that it wasn't right in this last election and yet you have almost dead silence on the behalf of the Republican Party that should be rallied to to defend their candidate and they did virtually nothing to stop it. Even the vice president, um, didn't do very much, even if he could, I I just wanted to to ask all that. that Doesn't it just sort of seem as if the whole system is set up for intent, you know, just intentionally set up, how could we not be asking ourselves how, could a system like this be set up that seems so ripe for, for fraud and for things to go wrong? Like, you know, why isn't anybody having to answer questions about who who would authorize these poor, poorly designed and, and not transparent machines? You know, the the servers overseas, things like this. That it just it we've just sort of moved right on to say nothing to see here, folks you know welcome i think what you're saying to the white uh, house yeah i think what he's doing
2: anything i think what you're saying mick is uh and and matt i i think his question is is this which is this whole thing seems set up uh, for fraud. I mean, everything from yeah, the, the mail-in exactly ballots the to to the machines not being able to to be transparent. It's it, like how would how did we ever get here to begin with, where anybody would accept <laughs> yeah. any of these methods uh, for our most important right?
1: Well, I don't think it matters. What matters is how we fix the problem, and what matters are things we can control. You and I. What was your name again, caller? I missed it. Mick. Yeah. Uh, it's Nick. Nick, okay, Nick. And again, none of that really matters. All that matters is what we can do to solve it. And, you know, I'm going to speak very frank with you, is that you really have three options, okay? Option number one here, because it, it, I, I, would it be wrong for me to say I hear some hopelessness in your voice?
0: Well, concern that um, if the if the people, like what you said a moment ago, that some of the so-called solutions that they're now proposing actually make the situation worse and my concern is that if there's a deep state or anything like this that that maybe people have um ulterior motives to keep our voting system corrupt so they can keep the people in power that, that keep them wealthy and, and powerful um it, is the is the first solution maybe that we have to find ways and you you've discussed some of that but we've got to get find out who the the deep staters are or the people that are corrupt get them out of there because until we do, they're not going to let us win. They're, they're going to keep introducing false solutions to the problem.
1: Well, sure. But it, again, it, it doesn't really change what, what our options are. So, I mean, and I, this is very, uh, I guess a brutal assessment of, you know, and cause again, there's a lot of, I hear what you're saying a lot and you hear your options. Okay. Here your options. Option number one is an armed insurrection against the government. That's, that's, ridiculous, and that would go really badly and not viable. The second is just to surrender, slit your wrist, or just submit. you know, just find a hobby and forget about everything and try to tune the world out as it closes in around you and destroys your life and your family. The third option is to become engaged. It's part of Look Ahead America, and we will teach you how to solve these problems, how to go step by step, and and win these battles, starting with small battles, going up to large battles and how to organize, how to become more engaged. And again, it's it's so incumbent upon us. Look, we're a country that was founded by a guy who took a ragtag group of soldiers who were poorly armed in the middle of winter, freezing to death across the Delaware River to attack a superior, the world's greatest army that the world had ever seen on Christmas Eve. OK, we're, we're descendants of people who died for freedom on foreign beaches, died, no life, They just basically they were 18, 17 years old, got signed up, shipped overseas, went over, you know, landed on the beach, many of them just immediately, boom, down, gone, right? Why do we have the expectation that that kind of sacrifice is not required of us? Why do we think we're entitled to the life we sort of want to have in a free country without making the same kind of sacrifice the men who crossed the Delaware with George Washington made? Why, why are we entitled to that? And the answer is that we're not. And all I'm really asking people to do here, <laughs> all I'm really asking you to do is, hey, watch some of our training videos, sign up to volunteer. We'll educate you on the different reforms that your state legislature can do. Organize your church, organize your neighbors. I'll walk up, you know, schedule a meeting with your state legislature where you can express concerns with that individual legislator who's going to, who will listen to you if you say, hey, I've got 20 people from my neighborhood. We want to talk about voter integrity. And already, you know, we're having some success. Like I said, we, we, basically nixed two major black box voting equipment contracts. Um, I'm currently talking um, in Georgia about trying to fix the legislation that they are trying to pass that, that makes the this, this, this situation worse. So, I mean, we could go on and on and on about deep state and, and folks who are trying to sabotage the cetera. but going on and on doesn't.
2: Matt, let doesn't me, let like me jump in fall. though and, and say that I, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying and you sound like, the most pragmatic guy in the world and probably are 100 percent right that all of our energy needs to be on the future. But some people, for the sake of justice, want to see people go to jail or be prosecuted, uh, pay a fine, something. uh, You know, if we have proof that all these people voted that we're not supposed to vote, I think some people – Want something to be done about that. Uh, you know, yes, we want to close, you know, close the front and back door going forward, but we still want to prosecute the guy that came in and robbed our house last night. Even though we're buying a, a simply safe alarm for the future, we still want to get justice for what might have happened in the past. And, and you're, you're still pulling all those numbers together and everything else. Does your, do you feel personally or your organization think that? Uh, anything will be done. I mean, even these uh, civil cases, no court would even uh, give a hearing of the facts that that I understand. Not any single court in the country wanted to even touch any of these. So you, are you basically just saying like, look, we can spend all of our energy looking backward or we can look out the front windshield at what we're facing in two years and we, we can't do both. So we need to go forward. I, I don't think it
1: that it's even... It's looking backward isn't even really spending energy. It's the kind of the opposite of it. It's not sort of wasting it or not taking advantage of it. Um, and this is where we are now. I, I do not think anything we're going to produce is going to undo the last election. The, the reason we are persevering with our reports, which I I'd you know, actually have to take a break from writing it um, to do the show tonight. I'm happy to do that, of course. Um, but the reports we're producing in Georgia, et cetera, that I think proved beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, the outcome that I, you know, we discussed in the beginning, um, that is motivation. You know, the only reason I'm doing it is because, okay, now that I've established some level of expertise in this area, I can now use that as leverage to get the kind of reform we need to stop this from happening. And that, you know, folks say they want to see something done. Well, those, if that's what you want to, if that's what is required of you to do anything, that you have to see something done, you're of no use to us. Because you're waiting for somebody else to go bring a lawsuit or throw somebody in jail unless you're actively out there on the street, going to your neighbor's houses, talking after church about the need for voter integrity reform and getting your people organized to go take a meeting with your state legislature. You are part of the problem. You are the problem.
2: Yeah, because what I think what you're saying is it's just like in sports. I mean, you get bad umpires, you lose a game. But you can't go back and change that. You can just try to get better umpires for the future, uh, you know, a better system, get a better chance in the future and make it more of a fair game before we run out of time. Sure. That's, what, that's our only that's our only way. Forward. What's what's going on in uh in Arizona? I'm 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 following it to some extent. And I'm hearing that in Maricopa County, it appears that the people running the election there literally were refusing all the way up to an order from a judge to to release those machines and the physical ballots. And then I had read something about ballots being shredded. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of smoke there, like they're trying to hide something. Uh, what's your take on on Maricopa County, Arizona?
1: Arizona was one of the more interesting state or the more challenging states for, when we analyzed, analyzed the um, results there. Um, because first of all, Maricopa and was pretty much the only county that had anything available to even review um, before you know all the deadlines hit, where we were trying to race to find evidence that there was um, were potential problems, and Maricopa itself had problems. I mean, I had people. Uh, th- this is probably the most famous example, I think, of voter fraud in this country is that a fellow named Nathan Garrett, who's registered to vote in Arizona moved to Tennessee to do wrestling because he's gonna be a great Olympic wrestler one day or he is now for at a university, right? Our operation at Look Ahead America, we dialed him, his phone number, just because we were we were using certain tools to determine like whether or not people we were asking people whether or not they really voted when the state said they had voted, right? So we called him and we didn't even reach him. We left him a voice message. And uh, we just said, "Hey, you may be the victim of voter fraud. A ballot was cast in your name in the state of Arizona. Call us back if somebody has." He didn't call us back, but who he did call was Laura Ingram at Fox News, and he did a whole segment with her talking about the fact that he did not vote, he did not vote, and did not vote in Arizona. If the state of Arizona, Maricopa County, marked him as having cast a ballot, and that it was signature verified. Wow! Now. I I know that there's thousands of illegal ballots that we've, you know, brought up and other people have said, you know, we didn't, we didn't cast a ballot. We didn't uh, request absentee ballots, et cetera, et cetera. All this. I just want to, I want to know what happened with Don Garrett. How did that happen? And I'm not terribly, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to come of the audit of, of Maricopa. And I'll be honest with you. I think the other counties in that state have even bigger problems than Maricopa does, but I, I'm really want to just get an answer to how did that happen? Because what typically would happen in a large scale voter fraud operation is you can't have a whole bunch of ballots be, um, voted, injected without also marking off en- enough voters of having cast them, right? Because if you got if the records show, you know, when somebody requests or it sends when somebody requests a ballot mail at the back or when you show up to vote, your name gets checked off the list. And there are 100 people that got their names checked off the list, but 200 votes. Well, you know, there's a problem, right? So if you were actually running, in theory, a voter fraud operation, injecting a bunch of ballots, we would have to mark off to vote as having voted a whole bunch of additional people who didn't actually vote. And we were finding some of those in Arizona. Um But again, it, it it's a state, I believe, that's dominated at least at the legislative level by Republicans. They're very strong there. Um, and it's kind of up to them to investigate. I think they've been pursuing that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to help anywhere I can. But again, I just want to know what happened to Nation Garrett. And so does Nation Garrett and a lot of other people.
2: Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's like the more the more you the rocks you turn over the more stuff you find and and you're right you just even with one case like this you'd, you'd like to say okay i'd like to see this guy's you know did he did, did this guy allegedly vote in person absentee ballot where's the ballot let's see the ballot let's see the signature uh i i would wonder you know if a lot of these signatures are the same person signing him if it is fraud uh i mean you could start piecing that together very very quickly to see what in the world happened but uh the one thing we know and i think you and i agree on this is uh we should not have any elections where there's a question like this i mean this is our most important right and we should not be in a situation where when it's over uh we're still wondering what happened we're going to take one more caller here uh i think this is uh our friend from outside of chicago uh hello there Hey, yeah, Mr. Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. Um, I thought it was okay, you. So good to have you with us, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, good show tonight. Um, okay, so here's my uh, question. Um, we've got unfortunately the house and the by, by the way, Senate Matt. Talks, Matt Jeremy.
2: Uh, Jeremy is a regular caller. He's an attorney in the Chicago area, so that might be useful for you to know as he uh, fires off his question here.
1: Sure. Um, so we have a House and a Senate, unfortunately, controlled by Democrats. Uh, they are now proposing federal law that they believe is going to uh, fix our election situation. Uh, I think it's H.R. 1, the For the People Act. What's that going to do to all your efforts and your work that you're doing right now? Well, what's interesting. Well, two things about that. One is that it does not appear likely to pass because of the filibuster in the Senate. Doesn't mean it's impossible it'll pass, or some magic will happen, or they'll pull off some trickery of some kind. But sure. it does not appear that it's going to get through the Senate. However, okay. if it did get through the Senate, the sixth election integrity reforms that look at America has proposed. Not only are they compatible with it, but they actually there are some parts of HR one that's actually able to take advantage of. Um, so HR one is bad. It's bad for a lot of reasons, and and. Part of it, I think it's going to be, it, it's a very big, big piece of legislation. It doesn't just affect the elections, but it affects how states draw their congressional lines, basically seizes control over how they're drawn from the states and, and basically mm-hmm. sort of federalizes it. It also has a lot of other crummy things in it, like um, uh, basically allowing a candidate to raise money for his campaign and then put that money right in his pocket. Now, there are currently right. politicians in prison for that right now because that's bribery, but <laughs> HR1 <laughs> legalizes it. So I think this, you know, if HR1 by some miracle passed, number one, get courts to render parts of it unconstitutional that are clearly unconstitutional. Hopefully that one. Mm-hmm. Number two, take advantage of certain provisions in it to actually try to strengthen voter integrity laws, which is what Look at America's initiatives do. You can see our initiatives at org slash integrity. And number three is campaign against anybody who voted for it. Voted for a piece of legislation that allows them to take campaign contributions and put them in their pockets because that again is legalized straight up bribery. Um, but sure. again, I don't expect it to pass. No, now, like I said, though, we can take advantage of some things in there, such as the way the uh, preventing voters from registering in multiple states. There's a sort of a database provision in that that could be useful there. Another thing that HR1 requires is that all states have to use paper ballots. Um, so again, there's, but, but it, you know, it, overall, it's a horrible bill, but it is very unlikely to pass.
2: Okay, good Perfect. question, Thank Jeremy. You. Thank you so much for your call again. And uh, as we close it out uh, tonight, Matt, uh, tell people again all the ways they can get in touch with you. I imagine they can support you financially. They can watch your videos, become engaged, become a volunteer. Tell us all of that again and the website that they go to.
1: Sure. The The thing we need most of all are contributions and volunteers and People who want to support our mission can do so at lookaheadamerica.org. Um, it's tax deductible. It's also not disclosed um, uh, publicly uh, when somebody does make a contribution because we, again, we are a, a C3. Um, and, you know, lookaheadamerica.org has all the information you need. You can find me on most social networks, uh, Twitter, Gab, Parler, MeWe, Telegram, et cetera, et cetera, and all that stuff is, uh, you know, all that stuff you can find through lookaheadamerica. .org. Yeah, I, see. I appreciate you, you having me.
2: Thank you. You're, you're really uh, active on Twitter. You haven't had any trouble with Twitter because of what you're talking about?
1: Uh, no, um, but no. And, you know, honestly, the videos saying exactly what I've said to you on YouTube have not um, been taken down either. Maybe they just haven't noticed me yet because I'm not taking a
0: present.
1: When we released our first report on Georgia... Again, we're you know, we're not saying the election was, quote unquote, stolen or hacked or anything. It's just saying, hey, here's a list of people who shouldn't cast the, been allowed to cast ballots in the state of Georgia. And by the way, this surpasses the margin of victory. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm just getting lucky or if a <laughs> about to but I am on Gab and Parler. And I like those platforms a lot, especially Gab. Yeah. I encourage people to find me there. But, you know, honestly, you know of me because of Twitter. And a lot of the money we needed, we raised because of Twitter. So yeah, very I'm, good. I'm happy to keep operating in enemy territory as long as they allow <laughs> me to do so. And we have some we have some fun on Twitter on my Twitter feed. So, um, you know, it, it, at, at the very least, it's, you've got to find it somewhat entertaining.
2: Yeah, I saw you and uh, Frederick's uh, uh, sparring on there a little bit over the Georgia issues. I thought that was interesting a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> all right sir good to have you with us Matt Brainerd and we hope you come back again soon and update us uh maybe we'll uh get you back on in two or three months and thank you so much for being here
1: happy to join all right easy, god bless
2: thank you wow that was uh that was really really fascinating I have to tell you um I wanted to do that show for a reason. And the reason is that there are some of you who are liberals, you're Democrats. I get that. Believe me, what we all want, we should all want fair elections. And if, in fact, Biden legitimately had more votes than Trump, then isn't that a good thing for all of us to know I just think it's horrible that we live in a country that has all of this technology. I mean we can send people to the moon, uh, we can send rockets to Mars. I mean wh- what we can I can buy a a computer tonight on Amazon and it'll be at my house tomorrow. I mean, but we can't do these elections. It's just blowing my mind that we can't seem to get this straight. And I love people like Matt Brainerd. He's logical and he's focusing on pragmatically what we need to look at, which is the future. And he's 100 percent right. A lot of this is uh, going to be taken, uh, you know, going to your local state representative and And demanding that your state put in place measures to protect uh, your vote in your individual state. And this is a state by state deal. The federal government doesn't run elections. The Constitution leaves that up to the individual states. Uh, But I'm still a little bit with one of our callers, Mick. Um, I still want to go back and really, I, I want people to pay for what they did. And uh, my wife and I, we've talked about this repeatedly. I want to see people dragged out of their houses in handcuffs for voting illegally. I, I, I think that is justice. And I think that we also want that. And maybe that's not the practical side of me. But if somebody voted where they should not have or voted multiple times, or if somebody was behind, you know, a bunch of dead people voting and they were the ones that, uh, you know, put those fake uh, fraudulent ballots out. I think those people should go to jail. Uh, And I'm not talking about for a week or a month. I mean, if you're somebody that uh, was behind thousands of fraudulent votes, I mean, in my view, that's treasonous. I mean, you should go to jail for a long time. And I think some of us also want justice. We want to see justice done. Uh, if there was fraud, which there clearly was, the question is, was it enough to have changed the election? And as our guest said tonight, as I've said, we don't know. And that's what's so unsettling about all of this. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, great show tonight. Thank you for being here. Remember, if it's Sunday night. It's Jim Paris Live. We're always here for you at 9 o'clock Eastern. Follow me on social media. I'm going to be on a trip this week, so you can follow me. Uh, Go to christianmoney.com. You'll see all of my links there. And uh, it's a good time tonight to check the IRS website, as I talked about in our first segment. Maybe your stimulus will be in the bank account. So maybe that's good news uh, coming into this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. So long, everybody.